1: The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of W.I.L.K.'s staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on W.I.L.K.
2: Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh... I'm doing well. Um, I, I think <laughs> that was a delayed response. Yeah, well, it, it was in the sense that um, I think I'm doing well, but' um, it's, it's kind of funny that I realize I'm now in a, um, in a world where I know that my immunity to the COVID vac- to the COVID virus is confirmed. But at the same time, you know, I look at the kinds of things where I'm ready to rock and roll, you know, I'm ready to go to my sister's for Easter, I'm ready to do the so-called normal things that we did in the past. But at the same time, I'm also really uncomfortable looking at the numbers of the new cases every every day at noon. I get a news flash of the number of cases that were reported the day before in Pennsylvania. And they're up in the thousands. And so it makes me very uncomfortable because I just, you know, last night I was looking at the news and looking about at what's going on in Brazil. They have something like 3,000 deaths a day because it's so bad in Brazil. And that Brazil variant is one of... The scariest ones because it's just incredibly strong. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I have I'm, it's a kind of a false sense of security. And when you when you look at everything that's going on around you, you still have to, you know, choose who you're going to be in whose company, because it's a little bit freaky. You know, I mean, it's it it just feels like everybody's already dismissed this. And said, "Okay, we're on the other side of this now. Things are getting back to normal. You know, the the rules and regs from the the state government would suggest the same. Uh, more acceptance, more um, openness in restaurants and bars, and all the things that were there before that were controlling it are being loosened because maybe more of us have this false sense of security than we should." And that's what concerns me. Um, I love going back out and having lunch and having dinner and doing those things again. But at the same time, I, I sit there and say, hmm, you know, this may be a fool's errand here because uh, it may not be as safe as you think. So oh, that's why I say. Yeah, you get but vaccinated. That's why, Well, yes. But even at that. <laughs> You know, I just feel like. Well, but Lynn, they're not telling people anyway. This is the misconception
3: I think people have. They're not telling everybody that you can go and be something you were before. You still have to use caution when you, and precaution when you do or go anywhere. I mean, I even know myself. Now, I've gone twice to a restaurant since I'm fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And i have in the same restaurant, and I've sat in the same booth as soon as you walk in the door so that I don't have to go through the whole restaurant. I, I'm just, yeah. you know, and I just still don't go. I've been invited to things that are with people, and I'm not going. I, I don't know why people are still doing this in in groups of people. When it's not something that it should be going on at the moment. I still just don't believe it. So there's too many. I still, I won't go anywhere that is a group of people that I have not been with. And I don't go in groups of people anyway. It's just a few people that I've been with and I still do exercise that same uh, way of being. Because I just won't do it. I, you know, you have to be smart about it. it there, there is some freedom to it, but you still have to be diligent with what you do. And with the better weather coming up, things should be better because you can be outside. And being outside is far yes. better for everybody. So yep. I just you think people are so, the problem is they don't really mean to throw caution to the wind. They are just so sick and tired of being under house arrest for so many years or so many mm-hmm. months that years, so many months that they just, are they just want to be and do and it's just a a natural response I think but you you still have to make sure you you don't just blow it all and things and especially because I don't know enough about these variants and whether or not they are these all of these other these immunizations we've been getting will defend against that I don't know that um so that's why I'm still just being as careful as I can be End of story, and not going to crowds of people that I
2: don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess. But I mean you that's, need that's to get that's the shot. shot. <laughs> get, get it. it. Well, uh, that, uh, that's a interesting conversation to have because I did speak to my primary physician um, on Monday, and that was the first thing I asked him. This past Monday. Yep. Yeah, and what he no, said. No, I said.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and see, it's that's completely natural... opposite of every mm. single thing that I'm hearing from physicians and people alike. That is complete opposite mm. of what I hear. Just like I said last week when we were talking about this and you said you didn't need it. And I said, I don't think that's correct. And then I told someone we were talking about it and they said, you better edit that that from last week because that that's not oh. true. People who have it should still be vaccinated. So I don't know because, again, I'm hearing it from doctors and I'm hearing it from everyday people. So, I mean, you you have to take
2: the advice of your doctor. I guess that's what we have to do, but I, I yeah. don't know. <clears throat> so, anyway, that's what I'm saying. But I'm I have saying. to tell just... you, Lynn, since
3: I've gotten vac- vaccinated, the second one,
2: yeah. you know,
3: the only thing I told you I felt was cold the next day, like right after, a yeah. couple hours later, and the next morning, I was fine, except that I felt cold. And not the chills, just a sense of feeling cold so there's two different things. Like I wasn't like shivering and cut. but do you know, I still feel that same sense of coldness. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes like the other night I got up in the middle of the night and put a sweater on and went wow. and went back to bed. And you know, we women and you know, post-menopausal and post-menopausal and pre-menopausal we're you know we don't mind the cold as much as we used to because you know we have some in natural heat going on but and I it's but I'm telling you I have been cold since then and that's probably just bizarre but I have been Ah.
2: but what are you Uh, going to do? I still got to be careful I get I get muscle pain and um Things like that. It's just strange things that happened since I've had COVID, but whatever. We, it, it's on the territory to everybody. Yeah, I know and it is, know. and
3: everybody's body's going to react differently. Lynn, did they yep. tell you anything about hair loss, although you didn't have fever. You didn't have
2: a fever really associated yeah, which, with... I, well, no, I did. I, have a, I had, a, I had but a fever. for a prolonged... It, to a, about 101. That's as far okay. as it went.
3: Because I was talking to a friend of mine who um, had it and they had a fever for days and days and days in a row. And now, like months later, they're experiencing some
2: hair loss. So, and they said that That's that funny was from you said the, that, the fever. Because I said the same thing. I have, What? I have noticed hair loss. I've noticed that when I take a shower and, you know, get out of the shower and look down at the at the drain, there's a ring of hair there. Which never happened before? Never. Wow.
3: Yeah. Well, that might and be it because been, I never heard this has been going on Since for it, two weeks. Yes. Yeah, see, and they said it's months later. It starts to work on, on hair. It starts to work in your oh, system. Geez. But these, they said they attributed it to high fever for a prolonged period of time. You really didn't have, you know, that kind I have a high of fever. Right. So I think, you know, maybe it's just minor, but yeah, how about that? I've never heard of that. And a friend of mine just told me this the other day.
2: Wow. So, (laughs)
3: yeah. Well, it's good
2: because it it explains it. You know, I couldn't understand why is this going on? And I thought, well, I didn't use a different shampoo. I didn't do anything differently with my hair. So I couldn't understand why I was picking up these globs of hair on the drain in the shower. And all over my clothes. Wow, but it's really weird. Well, so I hope it goes a, away. Yeah, it will. Yeah, and well, after, You know they say it's hair; it'll grow back. When? Yeah, well, there's a lot of <laughs> men around who have I
3: know, bald No, there's dozens,
2: but <laughs> that didn't
3: didn't buy that story. No, I know, but guess uh, what? Bald is beautiful. You know me; I love a bald guy. Yes. I think there is nothing. We're segueing into something entirely different but this bit this is good. There's nothing more attractive to me than a guy with uh, receding or or bald bald head. Why? Because I love a guy. Because, oh, I know why. I mean, it's all psychological. My father was bald since he was. He started going bald go. at the age of 19, <laughs> and so when you grow up, he had me when he was 31, so he had no hair except around a little bit around the sides, and yeah. so when you grow up loving a bald man. It's, you just you just associate that look right. with other mm-hmm. loves and people, and of course the men I've been with though have always had hair. <laughs> I mean, who I've seriously been in relationships with, but but it's still I love I love a bald guy. I always say God gives balding men or bald men beautiful faces, so that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I <laughs> love a bald guy. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, your son is your son is bald, right? Well, Tommy has as, as they say, folic- Tommy's hair is folic- he he's follicly challenged, so he shaves yeah. his head. He's not bald, but he shaves his head um, mm-hmm. because it's th- it was it's very thin and fine hair. So he figures, what the hell, I might as well just shave it. And then he, because you can tell by his beard how thick his hair is. His facial hair is so thick um, and a lot of it. And he's a hairy kind of guy, but his head lost a lot of that, you know, lost. It just wasn't coming. He didn't like the way it looked, So he started shaving his head and I love it. And he has a beautiful face. If I say so myself, because God knows I helped create him, you know,
4: (laughs) (laughs) but but I love it.
3: And then the other one has hair, Sean, but it's not Mm -hmm. as. I mean, I think it's more... It's fi- finer than than his father's, but he still has the same kind of, like, look as his father's hair. So it's kind of funny yeah. that one gets one and one doesn't. Because yeah. both of my brothers, both were bald or have no hair. They don't have any... Jimmy nice. shaves his head and Timmy shaves his. Uh-huh. And and my father was... My father didn't shave his head. It just That's what just naturally happened. But my grandfather didn't have a lot of hair. My mother's father, and they say, and right. I don't know if that's true, they say it, it's dependent upon the mother's father for that's hair, right. but I don't know. All mm-hmm. I remember is when Tommy was born, his father's Aunt Marianne was holding him and looking at him, and she said, with the Foley's and the Cadden's, this kid has no prayer for hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she wished it on him because the kid, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> oh, so cute! Oh man, that's funny. I, think I love it. The pressures put on us yeah. <laughs> and then, but then I'm just telling you guys out there. Anybody who's bald, just know I think you're cute. That's all that matters.
2: <laughs> well, my! My stepson did the same thing. He has. Yeah. He has a. He had some alopecia. Um, when uh-huh. he was growing up, and he got sick and tired of dealing with his hair coming out in clumps, and he just said, the hell with it, and he shaved it. And well, yeah, and look like at how cute years. he looks. Yeah. And he's adorable. Yes, he Again, he it's, so, it's so good just
3: to be able to do that, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's freeing, and it just is like, okay. And
2: it's in. It's cool. It's a look. So, right. Right. Yeah. So well, I guess we that have to take note, a quick break. Yeah. Yes, we do. And you're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show, and we'll be right back.
5: Hi, this is Nancy Kamen from WILK's Morning News with Webster and Nancy. And I know Laurie Cadden. A lot of people know Laurie Cadden. And more importantly, Laurie Cadden knows a lot of people. Laurie Cadden Enterprises specializes in fundraising, public relations, and special events. Laurie Cadden can take your business or organization to the next level. This isn't something that you learn about in a book. Heck, it can't even be taught. Laurie Cadden lives it. She knows how to work a crowd, open doors, and build and nurture relationships. With Laurie Cadden Enterprises, you get, ta-da, Laurie Cadden and her 20-plus years of experience. Call Laurie today at 357-8399, 357-8399, or email Laurie, Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at Laurie. L a u r i e c a d d e n L-A-U-R-I-E-C-A-D-D-E-N.com. Laurie Cadden Enterprises, because it is who you know.
1: ERA One Source Realty, always there for you. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn now. Back to Lori and Lynn.
2: Hi, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I am managing director and financial planner with Women of Substance LLC. That's a financial planning company that's devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse. And that's available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And I'm Laurie Caden, the owner of Laurie Caden Enterprises, which
3: is a fundraising PR special event business. And wow, did we segue or drop in (laughs) wild conversations last time from one to another.
2: (laughs) We did. We did. But it last was fun. Percent. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So, um, last week we were we were talking about a special report that was in the AARP bulletin about what we've learned from this pandemic, um, a year after the fact. And I didn't have a chance to finish it, so there's only about there's only two left. So I thought we would just go back to that because I promised that we would so number 7 was lesson number 7 was we will gather again but very carefully and the point of this was obviously don't expect the same old same old stuff just as rationing isolation and economic crisis caused by world war 1 and the spanish flu epidemic led to a kind of awakening of how we assembled expect COVID-19 to shake up the nature and personality of our public spaces. Back in the 20s, it was the rise of jazz clubs, organized athletic and fraternal organizations, and the golden age of cinema. As the pandemic subsides, we'll probably see more temperature controlled outdoor event and dining spaces, more pedestrian and bicycling options, more city parks and more hybrid events that give participants the option to attend virtually. As event organizers adjust so much attendees, psychologists say the techniques of cognitive behavioral therapy can help people at any age regain the certainty and confidence they need to venture into the public space post-pandemic. I know that we talked just about that earlier, but this, um, this author says, visualizing good outcomes and repeating a stated goal can help overcome whatever obstacles are holding you back. This is a woman named Gabriel Eddington, professor of psychology at New York University, who suggests making an if-then plan to reacclimate to public life. If eating indoors at a restaurant is too agitating, then try a table outside first. If a bucket list family vacation to Italy feels too daunting, then book a state-side trip together first. There's always an alternative if something stands in the way of you fulfilling your wish. Eventually, you'll get there. And number eight, our trust in one another has frayed, but it can slowly be restored. When I was reading this, I was thinking about... How that has eroded over, I want to say, the last 12 years. And I noticed it probably most acutely when <clears throat> President Obama took office. Not because he did anything, it's just that who he was raised up a lot of long held um, biases of people that people of color should not be in that position. And it led to a lot of divisiveness in the nation in that case. And I and I used the example for that from they said, uh, on, I want to say 60 Minutes or something like that, there was a news show when he was in his second term about the fact that he had more than 60 death threats a day compared to George W. Bush, who had something like, I don't know, 15 or 20 a day. Dear God. And, uh, yeah, and, but that's what I'm saying. So that's the kind of evidence I looked at and said, there's a lot of sickos, you know, who just, <laughs> just because of who he was. That's not what he did, but what that did was to bring up a lot of those biases that people had and caused a lot of divisiveness in the country. And and that, I think, is exactly what Trump fed on when he ran and won. It was that that desire to go back to the George W. Bush time. And that was never going to happen again. But the point was that there were people who fed on that distrust that was in this country. And I think that when we deal now with COVID... And, and still you can see that there's a significant amount of distrust in a lot of um, areas of our, our country as to the efficacy of the government and its ability to handle this vaccine thing and even to take the vaccine. There are people, uh, I heard this was on, um, was it, what's the one on CBS Sunday morning when they did that piece about the black community that felt so anti-trust of the federal government because of the experiments they did on black people, I don't know how many years ago, I wanna say 50 years ago, and they told them they were giving them shots for something and they weren't, they were giving them shots for something else that killed them. And so I can understand that. But again, there's a piece of history that's back again and talking about why is it that the black community is not getting the shots? That's why. And so, you know, that that this divisiveness, this lack of trust that exists right now, I think the the COVID situation forced that to come to the fore because it really showed how people think about and how much they care about uh, uniting as a country. I know that Trump did not do much of anything to to help that, um, but still, I, I think the fact is that it's it's there, and we have to recognize it's there. Uh, nobody ever talked about the blue states and the red states. I don't remember that when I was growing up. But Me I, we just keep we just keep reinforcing the differences, and that's the thing that I think we've got to overcome. I don't quite know how you do that, but. You know, according to this author, he said, it's important to be open to changing viewpoints, yours and others, as conditions change. In 1918, flu pandemic is instructive. The, The 1918 flu pandemic is instructive. Trust in the government withered and then returned. As we see vaccines slowly gain widespread success in fighting this virus, I think we'll start to overcome some of our siloed, ways of thinking and find relief, together as one, that this public health menace is ending, says historian John Barry, who wrote a book called The Great Influenza, which was about the 1918 flu. Mm -hmm. So, but they are lessons we've learned. Uh, I don't know that, you know, Mm -hmm. now that we've got the lessons, you know, what what do we do with them? It's interesting, we'll see as time develops, um, you know, and, and we get to that so-called herd immunity, which is the goal, I guess. Um, It should be a very different place. So that's my story. Yeah, well, and you're sticking to it. I'm sticking to it, yeah. And that's how it is. So, listen, there's one other thing we we have to acknowledge. We did not, thus far, that this is Women's History Month march and we're running yep. out of march yes yeah, we're you're not kidding so we we do have to acknowledge the fact that you know this is women's history month and um there were a lot of women who did some really cool things that got us where we are there's a a blog that i've followed and and sent some articles to and this woman rebecca i think we've talked about it before rebecca Forstadt olkowski she writes um A blog, and she said that she did one recently on prominent women who influenced Los Angeles history. There's a lot of them here, but I'm just going to do a couple because (laughs) put me away. And there's something called the Rancho Period, R-A-N-C-H-O, the Rancho Period in California. A woman named Eulalia Perez de Gillian Marinay who was born in Laredo, Mexico in 1766, married a soldier at 15, and started having children. She had 12 in total, with seven surviving. Her husband died, and because she was beloved, she was beloved, was gifted a rancho near Mission San Gabriel that was 14,000 acres. Later... She remarried, and her husband gambled away her land. She was one of the creators of lemonade. This sounds bizarre, but it's funny when you think of it. The missions had fruit orchards, and she took the lemons and turned them into lemonade, literally. It was one of the first products exported to Spain. She died in 1878, claiming that she was 139 years old. She so was probably more like 112, which was miraculous at that time period. And then you it had the Lemonade the railroad. Yes, I love it. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a woman named Arcola Philpot. P-H-I-L-P-O-T. She was a streetcar operator and became L.A.'s first African-American motorman in 1944. Because she was black... It was a struggle for her to get hired. She drove the F-Line from 116th 116th Street to Union Station. And then Chinese women, Anna Mae Wong. She was a Chinese-American actress who grew up in the original Chinatown before it was moved to its current location. Movie companies often filmed there, and she became infatuated with the film industry as a child, begging the companies to include her in their films. She dropped out of high school and played her first leading role at age 17, but because of her race, she was typecast as either an innocent flower or a dragon lady. Movies such as The Good Earth, I didn't know this, hired whites to play leading Asian roles. She started her own company, but her business partner was shady, and she sued him. She was also known as a fashion icon because of her exotic experience appearance. In the late 20s, She left for Europe and worked in the film industry, where she received much acclaim. Scouts from Hollywood found her in Europe and coerced her to come back, promising her a thriving career. And there's many more. But I think that was interesting. We had to at least acknowledge that it is Women's History Month. And we have some significant trailblazers.
3: Including you you and me. There you go. All right. Well, speaking of Blazers. Next, t- next up, we have our guest expert from Fidelity Bank, Miss Christy Cleveland. She will be here and uh, she will be speaking about home equity loans, Fidelity Bank and all the good stuff. She's the branch manager at the Peckville office. And uh, we're going to talk to Christy in a few minutes. So we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn show.
6: Hi, my name is Lynn S. Evans, CFP, co-host of the Laurie and Lynn Show. I am the managing director of a new business, Women of Substance, LLC, a financial planning firm dedicated to the specific financial needs of baby boomer women. I help them navigate through widowhood, retirement, divorce, and job loss. Send me an email at lynn at Lynnsevens.com and let me know how I can help you. I'm also the host of a podcast, Power of the Purse, available on more than 30 sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We record these lively conversations with women who've been there and have great advice to give others so they don't go down the same dark holes and we feature some experts who share some great ideas to be prepared before you have to face these transitions and we have a whole lot of fun please don't let the fear of not knowing about personal finances stop you anymore i am here to take the confusion and mystery out of money go to my website lynnsevans.com and see how we can set up a time to talk or browse around the many blogs and other free info on the site remember money's not the enemy your ignorance of it is is.
2: Business Banking at
3: Fidelity. Universal Printing started out in Northeast Pennsylvania in June of 1995. Since that time, we have grown to 155 employees. What we do, we're a document solutions business. We do printing. We have an IT department on site. There's computer programmers, developers, production people. So all of our IT is done in-house. The nature of our business is it is very capital intensive. What we continue to do is adapt to the needs of our customers and in order to do that we have to continue to invest in the best state-of-the-art equipment that's out there. And we can do that with the support of Fidelity Bank. Fidelity allows us to play on a playing field that we could never have played on if we didn't have the support of a strong local bank that believed in us. They're not just saying they support the community, they're doing it. And we feel really blessed to have a partner in Fidelity Bank.
1: Glory and Lynn.
2: Good morning. I'm Lynn Evans. Um, I am the financial planner and um, managing director, I had to think of my own title, managing director of Women of Substance LLC. That's a financial planning firm in Clark Summit that is specifically geared to the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and several other platforms.
3: And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business.
2: And our guest expert today is Christy Cleveland, who is the branch manager of the Peckville office and of Fidelity Bank. And We are going to talk today about a particular campaign they have going on um, in regard to spring home loans. Did I say that right,
0: Christy? Yes, yes, our 2021 (laughs) spring home loan campaign. There we go. So tell us about it. What is the deal? So hello, Lynn and Lori. How are you today? Good. Good. How
3: are you? We're good to have you back.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back. So um, like they said, I am the branch manager at Fidelity Bank in the Peckville branch. I've been with Fidelity going on 10 years now um, in October. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our 2021 Spring Home Loan Campaign. Um, This campaign runs from March 1st to May 21st, so we're still in the early stages of it. And um, many of you know that you know, besides having a mortgage on your home, you can have what's called a second mortgage on your home or what we call in the bank a home equity loan. It could either be a home equity loan, with a, which is like a fixed installment loan, or a home equity line of credit, which is basically like a revolving credit card. Um, we have some really good rates now. Um, you can get a home equity loan for as low as 2.74% for the installment loans which are the fixed rates and a low introductory rate of 0.99% for lines of credits. Um, you know, wow. some Yeah, yeah, the rates are really low right now, so Oh my goodness. jump in yeah. while while yes. things, before things change, right? Inflation and we see gas prices going up already, so you know, now's the perfect 50, how, time.
2: How long does that
0: 0.99 last? You said it's an introductory rate. It is. When does it go back up again? So, for the 0.99% for the line of credit, that would be for the first three months on your line of credit. And the, the difference okay. between a line of credit and a fixed installment home equity loan is the lines of credits are, um, like I said, a revolving, like a revolving credit card. So let's say you have a line of credit for $50,000, but you only have $10,000 outstanding. That is what you would pay on, principal and interest. You would pay on the $10,000. is a 10-year draw, so you have 10 years to access that money. Um, the difference with the home equity installment loan is it's a fixed rate, so the line of credit is also a variable rate. So it is driven off of the prime rate, which right now prime is at three and a quarter. The installment loan, if let's say somebody were to apply for a $50,000 installment loan and they qualify for the 2.74, we will issue them the entire proceeds of the loan up front, the day of closing, the 50000 and they're locked into that 2.74% for, I think this one was like for five years or it could be for 10 years, whichever term you decide that you want the loan to go out. Um, so it's not like a line of credit where you're going to pay on whatever you have outstanding. You're going to start making your principal and interest payments on the full amount, the fifty thousand in the example that I gave. So that's the and difference the line between. Of, I'm sorry, the go line ahead. of credit. If you let's say you have a fifty thousand dollar line of credit and you
2: take ten to do something. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other the point too is that with the line of credit, uh, there is no requirement that you have to give a reason for the loan. So you could take the ten thousand dollars. Of the fifty thousand that you have on the line of credit, and say I'm going on a vacation, so right. you can do that because there is no you don't have to give a reason for the loan. Well, um, when you apply then,
0: for the loan, you would have to say state a reason.
2: Uh, for the line of credit, I'm talking about.
0: Yes. Okay.
2: So either one you, is what
0: you. Yeah, for, is that for, true? It is. So for the line of credit, for the home equity line of credit, and for the home equity loan, you know, you would have to, when we fill out the application, the applicant specifies what the purpose of the loan is. When you draw okay. on the home equity loan, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we don't need to know, you know, where that money, what you're using the mm-hmm. money for, because you've already disclosed right. what the purpose is. Right. Okay,
2: and then when you go to pay that back on the line of credit, at initially when you borrow the money, are you paying both principal and interest or is it interest only?
0: So we do have a couple of different ones. You can do the interest only line of credit where you are just paying on whatever your outstanding balance is, the interest only, and then mm-hmm. you have that balloon payment at the end whereas yeah. with the the other one the other line of credit is you would be paying both you would be paying on principal and interest
2: and who gets to make that decision is that the bank's choice or your choice
0: the customer so like when the customer okay. um applies they can let us know you know i'm interested in the home equity line of credit which is you know principal and interest or if they're interested in the interest only usually the interest only ones um, you do them a lot like on maybe like a construction loan mm-hmm um, because usually that construction yeah. loan at some point in time when the construction is over it doesn't stay as the line and it just um, turns into a fixed amortized loan right okay Christy hmm. a question for you when you when you um when
3: you are doing a lot of, uh, a, you said, the 10-year payout on a um, uh, a home equity, which is uh, a revolving line. Do they then, with your balance after the 10 years, is that then termed out into an installment process, or do you have to have it paid back? How does that, is that, and I thought it was only five years, so am I wrong on what it used to be, or is it? it was it always a 10-year payout?
0: So we recently just changed it, correct. It was a five-year draw but we've extended okay. it to be a 10-year draw. And then, correct, at the end of the 10 years, you know, you can decide if, you know, you want to renew it again and, you know, reapply so that you can still keep the, a line open, or mm-hmm. it will term out into a fixed loan, correct? Now, the okay. other nice option, too, with the home equity lines of credits is, let's say during that 10-year draw period, you decide, you know, the customer decides that they don't need the line of credit anymore. That um, they, you know, they're not going to access it. They want to turn. You can term it out and turn it into a fixed loan if you're still in that draw period, for a fee okay. of one hundred dollars. So, okay. let's say somebody did have a fifty thousand dollar loan and they used thirty, and they said, "I don't need the other twenty, Then we will term it out. On whatever they owe, which is the thirty thousand of course with with print you know interest and all on the right. only thing then is you don't have a revolving line anymore
3: right, and then one other question, say you get a line of credit to have and you put down your get at you when you apply for it, it's because you think you may, you know, you're looking to do home repairs mm-hmm. and something like a COVID situation happened and everybody was then put on hold. How, can, how long can you keep that unused for that, that same length of time? Like if you don't use that line that's out there, how long will that stay in existence or doesn't it matter um, whether you use it? Like, in other words, is there a penalty for not using it or just having it available
0: to you? so the there's not a penalty you you still have that that um, ten year draw with the lines of credits though there is like an annual fee and depending okay. on um, whether you use it or not so depending on what kind of checking account package you're in with us and your overall relationship with the bank we put you in certain packages um, it could be it's usually like a thirty dollar annual fee so even if you have, let's say, a $100,000 line out there and you haven't exhausted it and eight years have passed, you still will get that $30 yeah. charge every year, correct, yeah. okay. whether you okay. use it or not.
3: You, okay. And then say you didn't use it and you, your term is coming to an end, can you then still reapply regardless of whether you've used the money or not?
0: Yes. Okay.
3: Okay. Because yep. I know many people, honey, who have these type of loans, and they keep it thinking they're going to do it, and then they don't, or yes. they came. there's money that they have that they, that they didn't realize they were going to have, so they don't tap into it, but it's always there for an emergency, like a new roof or whatever, sure. and they always
0: like to keep it out there and, and active. So, okay, I just wondered if that was... Yeah, um, you know, if there was anything. Okay, it's definitely a nice thing to to have out there. Like you said, you know, if an emergency comes, you can always access it. And the nice thing about it is, you know, in this day and age, everybody is digital, online, right? And Fidelity has a really nice um, mobile app that you can download to your phone. And um, if you had a line of credit with us and you know, you needed to move money from your line of credit to your checking account to pay for something, you know, to pay a contractor, Home Depot, whatever, all you have to do is go on our mobile app and move the money from your line of credit right into your checking account. Yep. That's That's great. It is. It's very nice. Like, everything, like, you know, because what if the bank's not open, right? Like, what if it's on a Sunday and you need to call a plumber? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
0: then, honey, also, what happens with the fees? I mean, is it a drive-by appraisal or a full-blown appraisal for a home so, equity? Yes, thank you for reminding me. So the nice thing about home equity loans, both installment home equity loans and lines of credits, is as long as you borrow $25,000 or more of new money, there are no closing costs. The closing costs okay, are good. waived. So normally what we do is um, they either do a drive-by appraisal or they'll do like an appra- – it's called an AVM. They'll do an appraisal right on the computer. So it's not a full-blown okay. appraisal, like when you're getting a first right. mortgage. Right. Um, if for – the closing costs can vary. They can be anywhere between like, you know, $400 to $1,000 i have seen. Um, if you were to pay off the loan – within three years, you do have to pay the closing costs back. So, yeah, so it would be, you know, if you pay it before 36 months or at 36 months, you know, unfortunately, you do have to pay those closing costs back that we waived initially for the loan. Okay. But, I mean, I usually don't see that. So, I mean, it's really great to, you know, not have to worry about those closing costs and come up with that. Money up front, and 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 one more thing: Do you deal directly with the branch managers at, at that level if you're coming in to apply for a loan? So the nice thing about Fidelity is all of our bankers, the majority of them are all cross-trained. So everybody in the branch, usually when you walk in, is equipped to handle a home equity loan. But okay, um, good. Yeah, so it could be any one of us, and everything is okay. done online too. <laughs> So, yeah, right. Um, you don't even have to. Yep. Exactly. So what we would yes, do is, we, yep, we send the customer a link, and, um, and that's also for our mortgages, too. And the customer can fill it out at their convenience, you know, in the evening because they're busy during the day. So it's really, like, a nice thing for everybody. So you can do it at your own time and at your own pace, and they can even upload all the documents that we need.
3: Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm going through that right now, and that has been the easiest process I have ever done regarding mortgage, refinance, any of this stuff. It's amazing how this stuff is all there and ready, and, and it's so, it was so painless. It was, it was a breeze. So I, I, to totally, I totally agree, yes. So tell everybody, because we're out of time, kid. I'll tell everyone how they, they can get in touch with you at Fidelity Bank.
0: Okay, so the way you can get in touch with me is um, you can either call me directly at 570-483-3301. That is the um, Peckville branch phone number. Or you you can stop into the Peckville branch, which is located at 1598 Main Street, right in Peckville. We're right in the Planet Fitness parking lot, right in the front. (laughs) So you can't miss us when you're driving down Main Street. There you go. Well, honey, thanks for joining us today. We hope we have you back.
3: And Absolutely. Um, we'll, thanks for having we'll, me. We'll, oh, you're welcome. And Lynn, we'll see you later. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe. Thank you. Peace be nice. Bye. Thanks.
5: Bye.